Well, 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 look who it is. You couldn't live with your own society, and where did that bring you? Crawling back to me. Now, I would say welcome, but even if you weren't welcome, I couldn't make you leave. So if you must stay, take a seat, get comfortable, and tune in to your favorite snake oil salesman. I'm Ethan Williams, and today we're exploring the weird world of television evangelists. Televangelists, if you will. Popular among the elderly, the vulnerable, financially desperate, televangelists like Joel Osteen, Kenneth Copeland, and many others make loads of money from their daytime TV shows. Their content can range from ultra-huge church services to infomercials for their magic healing handkerchiefs. A few of the more popular ones like the aforementioned uh, Kenneth Copeland, Paula White, and Franklin Graham have recently faced criticism in about the past year or so because of their strong ties to and endorsement of Donald J. Trump. Their participations in the spreading of election conspiracy theories as well as uh, quote-unquote prophecies that Trump would win the election uh, also greatly contributed to the spread of uh, election conspiracy theories uh, that ultimately uh, culminated in the insurrection at the Capitol on January 6th. Uh, other people like Peter Popoff, who I'll get into later, boy we're gonna get in, uh, have been dirty, lying, cheating, thieving scammers for the entirety of their career as uh, too many are. Now, not all of them are bad, of course. Uh, it just so happens that the worst ones have the most viewed shows, the largest churches, and the most expensive private jets. They, they could be written off as anomalies, uh, but it seems to me, because of their numbers, they're the, more of the rule rather than the exceptions. You may be wondering how these guys became millionaires and sometimes even billionaires uh, by peddling their blatantly faulty products and quasi-inspirational speeches. Well, let's take a look, shall we? The televangelism that all of our grandmothers love so deeply didn't technically start until the 1980s and in the late 70s and so on in, in that area. The beginning of broadcasted religious services and sermons and so on began with really with a man named Billy Sunday. And he was born uh, in the 1860s. And he kind of led the start of radio evangelism. He was probably one of the biggest evangelists at the time. Uh, and he sort of had this style. People called him a sensationalist. He would really kind of amplify things and make it um, performance, which we see uh, very clearly in evangelism today. And as that progressed and as mediums changed, as they so often do, and television started to become more prominent, uh, radio evangelism started to kind of die out in the 50s and 60s. It was going strong through the 30s and the 50s, but then as TV started to become more commonplace, it died out, and TV took over as mediums so often do. They're changing like that. And because of this, they had to adapt. You can't just use radio broadcasting techniques. I mean, I know, essentially I'm doing the equivalent of some sort of radio show right now. It's a podcast. But if I were to do it in a video format, I would have to be much more entertaining because you can just kind of stick the headphones in, put it in your pocket, not pay any attention. So have a very soothing voice as some white background noise. Well, background white noise. It could be either. It doesn't really matter. Anyway, as TV started to become more popular in the 80s, the FCC, which is the Federal Communications something. Let me just check that. I don't know. 
The FCC, essentially, they regulate uh, different mediums of broadcasting, TV, and they have, they have standards for stuff. Uh, and they kind of deregulated in a lot of ways. They cut back on the uh, standards and, and, and stuff like that. And so uh, televangelists were really able to bloom in that deregulated environment where they could essentially do uh, a lot. Of, they couldn't do whatever they want, but for the most part, uh, as long as they followed general guidelines, they could do essentially whatever they wanted on TV. And they did. They could sell products, they could make outrageous claims, they could they could manipulate people in the way they so often do, and really nothing could be done about it. Which is why we see that it, it became such the, the big thing that it did, because it was so sensational that people were just had to be attracted to it. As with TV and, 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 and things like that, it just becomes... It's an all-or-nothing type of thing. Either it completely takes over your life, or it's kind of a, a background thing. And obviously, televangelism uh, became the former rather than the latter. But Ethan, here we want to watch you. Uh, shut up! I I know. I hear what you're saying. TV is nothing without viewers. You need an audience. And obviously, these guys got an audience somewhere along the way. So why did that happen? Why would anybody waste their time watching these guys and their obvious cash grabs, trying to trick people into buying their miracle water or magic handkerchief that's going to heal you or whatever? Well, essentially, the reason I believe, I haven't looked at any statistics on this, so don't trust, don't trust me as a good source you can do your own research on this but i think that it's just another product of capitalism really it's convenient it's easy you don't have to go anywhere you just flick, flick through the, the tv and boom you got it you got these huge mega churches that they got their music and their high quality productions and blah 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 blah, blah and it's just convenient and that's why it, it, it also is very big among more elderly people you can stay at home you don't have to go out, you don't have to get ready, you don't have to do any of that stuff. You just turn on the TV, and there it is. And it can provide, in a lot of ways, the same feelings as an in-person service. Although, now we're, we're starting to see that online and broadcast stuff isn't uh, as nice as it once was, because now we have to do it. But when it was an option, when it was a convenience thing, it was obviously, for a lot of people, a much better option. And wherever there's people to be taken advantage of, people will be taken advantage of because of i mean they have huge audiences in in the churches a lot of the time you can see some of them are pre-recorded things we just have them sitting at a table in a room talking about their products and talking about how you need to give them money or whatever but because of the fact that you have people at home and most of the time people who are at home are at home because i mean like i said before it could be convenient but a lot of the time people have to be at home might not be able to get the time to go out and, and do stuff like that and so this was probably a huge contributing factor in the amount of money that went into these productions people would donate all the time and make them make the the, the, the televangelists millionaires and even billionaires funding their their jets and their vacations and all this kind of stuff and it was and it's marketed as give us some money and uh, you will get some money back how how will you get the money back well nobody really says but you'll get you'll get it back at some point and apparently god doesn't do e-transfer because none of these people ever got their money back and i can guarantee you that if one person ever said yeah i gave them 100 bucks and then i got 200 bucks back i would not believe them 
you'd have to provide me evidence that it just kind of came out of nowhere because I'm not going to buy that. And the mechanism by which the televangelists propose that you get the money back is never elaborated on. They just say, like, mail us money, send, and we'll give you money somehow. We won't give you money, but you'll get money somehow. Some, I, I was seeing watching the other day when I was doing my research, one televangelist guy and his wife, I guess, we're trying to get people to send them guns and on on air on the on the broadcast they were like yeah we actually it's actually illegal to sell guns we checked and then they're like okay that's fine take your guns trade them in and just send us the money what who's falling for this but people do fall for this and it's because a lot of the time these people are very charismatic and they're not preach like nobody is going to be watching a televangelist who doesn't want to watch them a televangelist doesn't believe what they're saying and so they take advantage of that and so when you have people who are all of the times very desperate and they need you know a miracle to happen you're gonna have these people on tv saying yeah give us some money you'll, you'll have a miracle happen it'll just happen just trust us and so they're gonna go yeah that makes sense i trust this guy he's nice he says stuff that i think is true so i'll send him the money and this time it also must be true but that's just another one of the major problems that I find with this, is that there's no go-between. You have a person on the TV saying, give us money, and the person at home, and they have to kind of decide for themselves. They have to use their brain, which a lot of the times people aren't so good at using, and they have to say, well, if I send this guy money, am I actually going to get any money back? Am I just wasting my money? Is he going to send me more letters asking for more and more and more money? As they do. And there's no way to kind of filter out and, and put some kind of filter between the person receiving it and the person giving it out. Oh boy, oh boy, all this talk of scamming and fraud and manipulation sounds like we're getting ready to talk about Peter Popoff, one of possibly the most infamous televangelist of all time, and us in the industry. Uh, we like to call him PP, that stands for Peter Popoff, but for the rest of this uh, episode, I'm going to exclusively refer to him as PP. Uh, and I'll just go ahead and play some audio clips of him for you, so you can get a, a feel for his slimy, disgusting voice. God told me, he said, you strike that cancer with your fist. Man, go! You've got cancer of the stomach? Are you ready for God to burn that cancer out? Here it goes in the mighty. That doesn't do any good. You yes. have to use a miracle, miracle spring, spring water. This no medication no more. And what about your cocaine addiction? I don't even smoke cocaine no more. I'm four years old. Jesus, mighty name right now, right now, right now. Burning this arthritis right out of your body. Take a few steps just to make the devil mad. Coming up on today's telecast. Whatever Pastor Peter Popoff tell you to do that God leads him, obey the prophet and you will prosper burning this arthritis this man is a prophet of god and when he tell you something to do just do it this arthritis whatever he say do do it god's going to give you complete deliverance burning this arthritis so yeah that's essentially him his, his voice is loud and annoying and high-pitched and it's got that stupid southern twang that all televangelists have to have 
because where else would you find people so scummy than in the southern United States of America? But yeah, that's essentially it. This is a bit of a shorter episode. I don't even know. Like, all my experience is co-hosting podcasts. I don't know if I have the ability to carry an entire podcast on my own without either stretching the attention span of everybody listening or stretching my own attention span and talking about stuff for so long i don't know i got nothing better to do i'm just i'm enjoying researching stupid things that exist and going into the history and the cultural relevance of the them i guess i'm just really talking about stuff i don't know but if you do like podcast in any way shape or form feel free to keep it to yourself because i honestly don't really care either i'm gonna do it or i'm not gonna do it it really doesn't matter who's listening if i got time to record stupid podcast episodes for 15 20 minutes it's actually been an hour since i started recording this because i can't carry on for one take when i'm not co-hosting with somebody just that much of a perfectionist but anyway that's the episode feel free not to give any feedback or give feedback if you would like probably not going to take it either way i'm just going to do my own thing but hey that should comfort comfort you because i'm probably you're not going to have to have your ideas be read or taken seriously by anybody anyway thanks for listening to my ramblings again this is a shorter episode than the last one i don't know i don't know what the bright length for these is so i'm just gonna kind of go with it some topics will be longer some topics will be shorter but yeah that's that's the episode thanks for stopping by